May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Amen. I wonder, is anybody here this morning worried about anything? I'm not going to get you to respond outwardly, but I reckon there are probably a fair number of people, as I look around the congregation, who are worried about something. Now, some of the worries might be quite trivial. Some might be caused by this anxious world and its material pressures. But some, I'm sure, are real worries about real issues, things that are concerning us, things that loom large in our thinking and that we're going to go back to right after this service. Our broad theme this morning has been depending on God, which is pretty much the opposite of worrying. And these two opposites of trust and worry are addressed by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, which we've just read. The term worry occurs six times in the passage, 24, 27, 28, 31, 34. If somebody mentions something to you six times in the course of a few minutes' conversation, you might, you'll probably notice it and you might think that it's very important to them. So here when Jesus mentions worry six times, we probably ought to pay attention. One of the definitions of the Greek word used in this passage for worry is internal disturbance at the emotional and psychological level that disrupts life. It's a pretty good definition. And right now there's probably more than one or two of you thinking, yeah, that's me. I can feel the internal disturbance. And for sure, it's disturbing my life. But I think we've all felt that at times, haven't we? That internal churning, those dark thoughts that run around in our heads, to the point that we can hardly think about anything else. We're worried. We all know what that feels like. Thing is, for Jesus, this internal disturbance is connected to fear and little faith. Why do you worry, he says, and then, oh, you of little faith? And we all know, don't we? How we feel when a situation is resolved and the worry goes. It feels like a weight has been lifted off us. We talk about being light of heart. It's freedom. So on the one hand, we have worry and fear. And on the other, we have faith and freedom. As some of you will know, I have a great interest in American blues music. Music that developed as a response to the oppression and suffering of the black community in the southern states in the early decades of the 20th century. In the blues tradition, the theme of worried minds crops up with a great deal of frequency. The uncertainties and trials of life for black people living in the southern states under Jim Crow left them with what they called a worried mind. So many of the early blues songs reflect this, songs about the rent being due, money problems, getting TB, getting caught out by Jim Crow and so on. Anxiety was an integral part of life. Black people were worried about not having enough money to make the ends meet, about getting sick, about losing a job, about the future of their children, about the dangers of interaction with white people. And there were indeed some very sinister threats, the very possibility that a black person could be lynched for some petty perceived wrongdoing or simply for being black. The system of life in the South served to impoverish its black population, caused all sorts of uncertainties and worries. 
worried minds, anxious minds. That was normal life for African Americans at this time and all captured in many of the blue songs. But this sort of anxiety caused by poverty, deprivation, injustice, violence is of course a lot of a huge swathe of humanity today. If we were to go to the the slum communities and mountain villages in India that Christine works in, we would find people there with real worries. On the screen you can see Kumla Devi and her family who live in a poor community in the Himalaya. They were thrown out of their home. With the help of Safara and indeed somebody here, right here in Fitzroy, a new home was built only for the family to be threatened again with eviction. With Safara's help, that situation was averted. But it illustrates for us the very precarious nature of life for the marginalised. Many of us here this morning who are involved in other situations in Africa, South America, here in Northern Ireland, we're familiar with the way that so many people have to live on the edge, real worries about the basic necessities of life. The poor have a whole host of worries, how to feed their children, how to clothe them properly, send them to school. Is there going to be any paid work today? And the security of the roof over their heads. But it was precisely to people like this that Jesus spoke when he said these words in the Sermon on the Mount. Don't be anxious. Your father knows all about your situation. The poor of the world have good reason to be anxious. And we'll say a little bit more about this in a moment or two. Because, of course, those of us who are relatively wealthy, we too have our own anxious minds, our worried minds. We are clothed, housed, warm, educated, healthy, able to work, entertained day and night. But somehow we too have worried minds. Some of it comes, of course, from the nexus of modern life in which we're all caught. Our world revolves around the pursuit of money, power and control. And to a less, greater or lesser extent, that affects all of us. If we live and engage in the modern world, we are continually bombarded with advertising and media that tells us we need that gadget, we need that car, we need this perfume, we need that guitar. All day long, our economically driven society pushes and prods us toward consumption, all the time whispering, you need it, you have to have it. All of which creates a kind of permanent state of anxiety. Jesus refers directly to this, of course, in the sermon. Nobody, he says, can serve two masters. You can't serve both God and mammon or wealth. If you're serving God, you just can't be serving wealth. End off. If you love one, you hate the other. He makes it pretty black and white, doesn't he? And I think it begins to get pretty uncomfortable for us as we examine our own lives. The world is too much with us. As the poet said, whom are we going to serve? Interestingly for Jesus, anxiety is a barometer of who or what your God is. Immediately after his words about serving God or mammon in verse 24 comes verse 25, which is all about worry. 
If we let the world squeeze us into that same old mold, if we listen to the siren voices of just a bigger house, just a new car, just another expensive holiday, then the anxiety of the age begins to seep in as we strive for what we don't need about what ultimately doesn't satisfy. Here's the thing about possessions. They can be dangerous. They have a capacity to become idols that demolish faithfulness. According to Jesus, if we worship wealth, then we're going to be anxious. But if we worship and trust in the providing God, there really is freedom. The God of the Bible is the creator and sustainer of life. Deep in the heart of the biblical story is the conviction that the creator God provides for his people. The famous manna and quail story in Exodus 16 God's sustaining of Elisha and 2 Kings 4 loom large in the biblical narrative and no doubt were behind Jesus' thinking in the sermon. Scott McKnight says, These are words for radicals about a radical lifestyle of trusting God for the ordinaries of life while devoting oneself unreservedly toward the kingdom mission. This passage is designed to make us feel uncomfortable about our lifestyle. Anybody feeling uncomfortable? Of course, there are real worries for our minds as well. Maybe it's debt. Maybe it's our health. Health of somebody we love. Maybe it's our children, whether they're at school or they're growing up and away from us. Maybe it's a job or getting a job. The very natural human response to encountering the difficulties of life is to worry. To allow the internal psychological disturbance to build as we fret over the outcome and worry about the worst that might happen. We worry. What is the answer to this seemingly ever-present aspect of the human condition? The worry that assails us in the middle of the night or when we're on our own, maybe just in driving down the street. Or sometimes when we least expect it. Natural human response to bad situations is to worry. I remember some years ago running a small business where we ran into a really tough period. My natural inclination was to double my efforts. If I could just work a bit harder, if I could work longer hours and be more determined, we'd make it. I was driven by anxiety. Then I stumbled upon some words in Psalm 127, which are reflected in Jesus' words about worry in the sermon. It's vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in their sleep. The word spoke directly to my anxious situation. Getting up early, retiring late, putting in long hours of painful labor actually was exactly what I had been doing. I needed to realize that God was in control, that God was at work even when I was sleeping and wasn't able to do anything about my situation. The situation remained difficult for some time, but I learned to release my anxiety to God and make a little progress in trusting God. In God's grace. 
Paul's challenge to the oppressed Philippians, written at a time of uncertainty when he was in prison and they were suffering opposition, takes up this theme. Don't be anxious about anything, he says. Rather, pray to God, talk to God about it, and the result, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. That's the secret. That's the answer to the worried mind. Giving the anxiety to God, leaving it there, and letting God guard our minds and our hearts and fill us with peace. Don't be anxious. Your Father knows all about your situation. Your Father knows. God knows. God is there. As Norman and Ken sang, I want Jesus to walk with me. In my trials, Lord, walk with me. The presence of Jesus with us in every situation, the reality of Jesus walking with us is something we all need to cultivate. We need to lean in. We need to lean on. Stop taking the cares and the problems and the worries all on our shoulders and begin to trust our Heavenly Father. When I was a boy, we used to sing a little song called Why Worry When You Can Pray? Actually, it's a terrible little song, if anybody knows it. But it's a good question. Why worry when you can pray? God is there. His love surrounds us. Jesus said he would be with us always. Why worry when you can pray? Finally, we shouldn't forget what Jesus went on to say in this sermon. Seek first the kingdom of God and God's justice and you will have everything you need. Having a sense of God's presence in the midst of the difficulties of life, praying, trusting God is crucial. But if we really want to leave our worries behind, then we need to seek God's justice. Then we will have everything that we need. The peaceful Anxiety-free life for Jesus is inextricably linked to seeking God's kingdom and the justice of that kingdom. It takes a trust in God that results in active engagement with God's world so as to challenge injustice wherever we encounter it. That's what it takes to set us truly free. And here's where we return to the worried minds of the disadvantaged and the poor and the oppressed of our world. We are to be God's provision for them, God's hands and feet, God's compassion, and God's justice. God's way of relieving the real anxieties that they have. So here's the challenge this morning. Are we prepared to turn away with our preoccupation with our own worry and anxiety? To begin to trust the God who loves us extravagantly and is with us always, so that we can begin to seek the good and justice of others. The whole thrust of this passage in Jesus' sermon goes from the choice between wealth and possessions and serving God to trusting God with our needs and anxieties and then on to seeking first God's kingdom of justice. That's the journey that God wants to take us on this morning. In Bob Dylan's theme time radio show, he gave his listeners a short lesson on overcoming the blues. You don't need Dr. Phil, you don't need me, he said. Just go out and help somebody more unfortunate than you. In his own lazy drawl, Dylan suggested that his listeners go to a soup kitchen, a retirement home, 
maybe even a prison, he said, to find somebody to be with to bring some cheer. No matter how bad you have it, said Dylan, somebody got it worse. Instead of adding to the sadness in the, in the world, why not help somebody out? Well, do you know, I think Bob Dylan has got it bang on. Turning outward to meet the need and the injustice in the world, getting involved in the sort of situations that we were talking about early, earlier in India, Africa, many other places, that's the way to beat worry, to beat the worried mind, to beat the blues, no matter who we are. We have a choice this morning. Will we continue to let worry and anxiety eat away with, at us, disturbing our peace, paralyzing us from being the people that God wants us to be? Or will we open our hearts to God's gentle Holy Spirit to help us to put our trust in our Heavenly Father, to turn our worried minds into minds that are focused on the needs of others? Seek first the kingdom of God and God's justice, and you will have everything you need. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your love that surrounds us and will not let us go. We thank you that you have cleansed us and forgiven us, brought us into your family. And we thank you that you've invited us to cast all our care upon you because you care for us. So Lord, we pray for your grace this morning to enable us to do that. Lord, in these moments, we want to bring our cares, our worries, our concerns about ourselves, about our families, about other situations we know of. And we want to give them to you. We want to put our trust in you to know your peace that passes all understanding. And we pray for your grace to turn outward to meet the needs of the world. In Jesus' name, we pray.